deep in the hearts of the Welsh valleys, a young man had dis- a deceptively young and unfathomably handsome man had decided that it was his destiny to become the greatest dog agility handler the world had ever seen. So he set about learning his craft. His front crosses were crisper than a dry December morning in the Brecon Mountains. His ketchkas were slicker than a boiled pigeon in a rubber tube sock. The intensity, accuracy and speed and natural flamboyance he brought far surpassed anything the sport had ever seen and would ever likely see again. The time was approaching where he would be ready to shine on the world stage and begin his legacy. But he realised, to win any battle you must first know your enemy. Welcome along everyone and thank you again for joining us for another episode of Know Your Enemy. Today's podcast is with the wonderful Dudley Shoemate. I think I've said that right, I'm sure she'll forgive me if I don't. I'm really good friends with Dudley and we have many, many conversations around dog training. I really value her opinion and her expertise. Dudley looks at dog training in her own way and for me what I especially like is the things that she does is based off what she has seen through her breadth of experience. The way she does it might not always seem conventional but it certainly always gets results. Dudley's competed at the highest level and won multiple times in America and has represented the national team. So it's a podcast I really hope you enjoy. Before we get into it I just want to mention one more time for all of you guys that have just returned from the US Open Karma Running Club is open for a second wave of registration. I've had multiple messages asking about learning how to run better, how to get better conditioning, how to be faster, changing direction, all of these other things and they're all included in the running club, all supported by follow along video sessions. If you did the US Open and you thought to yourself, do you know what, I'm not pulling my weight here, then maybe the running club is a good thing for you to look at. If you're interested, just give me a shout and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Oh, hello, Dudley. How are you doing today? I'm very well. I hope you are. Yeah, definitely feeling good. So we know your name is Dudley, but tell us who you are. Who do you see yourself as today? Um, my name is Dudley Given. I am an older agility handler. I've done it for quite a long time, coming on 30 years. And I am a self-employed instructor, permanent student, um, and big-time dog lover. That's who I am. Yeah, I mean, we've chatted quite a bit, and I thought it would be a good podcast because I really like that. And I don't mean it in a bad way, but you don't necessarily always stick to the book, and you have your own way of seeing things. Mm -hmm. I just think that that's something that needs to be listened to because, obviously, when people know you and they know your dogs, your dogs are obviously well-trained. So I just think it'd be a really useful insight um, to speak to someone who follows your own lead sometimes, you know? I mean, obviously mm. you you do the things that are right, but equally you've got your mm. own mind on things and I just really appreciate that. So I'm really looking forward to today's chat. Thank you very much for coming on. Oh, you bet. Thanks for having me. So you've been doing agility for a long time, like you said. How long have you been doing it and how did you get into it? Oh God, it has to be, I bet you, no joke, um, about 30 years now, I got into it. I used to ride horses for a living, as do many people yeah. that do the sport. Uh, yeah, and that definitely gives you an advantage in terms of understanding jump mechanics and courses, but whatever. I got a smart puppy. I'd always had dogs, but I got a smart puppy, and I'm like, okay, I need to do something with this dog. And someone said, well, try puppy class. I'm like, okay. 
So we did puppy class and we were amazing. It was a standard poodle. And I said, well, what else is there? And it's like, well, there's this new thing called agility. You'll like it because it's got jumps in it like horses. And I'm like, okay. And that's how it started. Cool. Yeah, you are very right as well in the sense that a lot of people who I've spoken to have come into agility from horses first. Do you feel like the, the reason is literally just because it's animals or is there something more to it? What do you reckon? Well, I'm sure there's as many reasons as there are people, but I'm sure some commonalities would be a love of animals, um, a love for training. And if you pursue the training enough to get to where you are actually competing, then that sort of is a reinforcement too for you that you enjoy trying to be your best and having some sort of gauge that is external um, to sort of see how you're progressing or not. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think you're right with regards to the commonality and the feedback that you get is quite an, a joyous experience to see when the animal is learning uh, and that is self reward yeah. as well, isn't it? Yes, yes, very much so, very much so. So if you were talking to yourself back all that time um, and you were starting agility again and you were your own instructor, what is the piece of advice you would give yourself that you know you didn't know back then? Trust your instincts. Yeah, that's a good one for you, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one for me. And it doesn't mean be closed-minded. You know, stay open-minded because you learn from everybody. But if you have a super strong feeling about something, whether it is quote-unquote correct or not, it's going to be right for you. Um, so I think that is important. Yeah, I think um, you'll buy into it more as well if your gut backs yes. your mind as well, right? Yes, yes, because if it could be the best training protocol, the best modality, the best program, etc., if you don't really believe in it, it's not going to work for you. Yeah, I agree. So you got to be open-minded and listen to yourself as well as to everyone else. So something that me and you have talked about recently that I admittedly can't get my head around too much, but I think is a fantastic <laughs> concept, um, is your... I don't know if you'd call it a new approach, but your recently tried approach to your handling. So do you want to explain that to people? Um, it would be recent to me. Yeah. I did not come up with this. Um, one of my mentors in the sport and someone that I think is absolutely brilliant and I'm a big believer in giving credit um, is Stuart Ma, a handler here in the USA, who is just a brilliant, brilliant person. He doesn't, um, he's sort of retired now from the sport, but he still helps me. Yeah. He is the one that introduced me to this. I think of it, I call it hippie handling, not to be confused with hippie the puppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hippie handling um, in the sense that there is no conscious plan. And I think that's the part that is hard for me and hard for anyone who's new to this. Um, to wrap their mind around. What do you mean no plan? How do you have no plan? The idea behind it to try to be short and clear is if agility isn't that complicated, what makes it hard is it happens very, very fast and you're supposed to get it right the first time. If your neurons are preoccupied with, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to do this, you are using the majority of your mental space to think about you. You're only half the team. If something happens that's unexpected, God forbid, and we all know that happens all the time. 
if you don't have enough neural space and situational awareness to respond timely and quickly and get it back on track, you're sunk. If you're running a fast dog, you're sunk. So this no plan handling frees up more of my brain space for the unexpected. So I can keep a small air small. Yeah. I'm not, it's not an invitation to be sloppy. You have to practice your mechanics until you have them down cold. Uh, the best analogy I can think of is driving a car. When you first start, you think a lot about, okay, this pedal makes it go faster. Oh my God, I've got to get in a different lane. What needs to happen? That's all very conscious. But after you've done it for a while, you don't have to think about that. You just do it. Yeah. Agility is same for me. You have to think at first a lot about how do I do a front cross and when do I need to be at X and what does, you know, fancy move of the day look like? But once you've practiced that, you don't need to think about how. You need to think about what needs to happen now. And that's sort of hopefully a small-ish nutshell of what I am embracing these days. The only conscious plan I make to go run a course is which side to start to lead off from. That is the only conscious plan. Yeah, and um, I know what it is. And I am one of those people that just find it super hard to think how I would be able to do it because I think perhaps it's not autonomous to me enough yet. But I, I love mm. the idea and I do totally see where you're coming from because obviously, like I said, we've had a chat about it. I totally see where it's coming mm. from. And I think as a concept, it makes sense. And I just thought it's something that other people should hear because I think it's almost revolutionary to a point in the sense I don't know many other people with that viewpoint. It's very different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very, very different. And it's very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable at first. And I know you get it because you get sport. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's good at any sport, anything about how to do the mechanics, that part, you've already practiced that. That's done. So, I mean, it's part of being in that flow state. Yeah. You're yeah. not thinking about how flow state. Um, to get started, if anyone were interested in experimenting with it, the way that I started is when you practice, and you have something that didn't go as planned, you know, you have an off course, oh my God, dog turned left, not right. Instead of, um, I had this bad habit, and so do some of my students, I shouldn't say bad, a habit, yeah. of stopping to reset, yeah. like something didn't go right, quote unquote. Instead of stopping, don't stop. Find a way to get back to the flood. Yeah. What that will allow you to practice is, how do I get back on track when something unexpected happens? Um, that's how I began this process. So you are laying down a different neural pathway. When things don't go right, your habit becomes get sharper instead of quit. Yeah. And that's big. Because under stress, we all do what we practice. Yeah, for sure. I, and I, it's something that obviously, like I said, I am not going to pretend that I do what you are suggesting. But equally, I do something along the same lines in that when I am training specifically course running, if it, yes. I don't have, I don't give myself the option of stopping. So I feel like yeah. a lot of the time when something goes wrong, like you say, we, we rely on that comfort blanket knowing, oh, I can just stop and fix it. But the reality is right. in the course, when you're in competition, you don't have that opportunity. So you need to get good right. at fixing it at that time. Um, and like I said, yes. I'm not trying to make out like I do what you do. I definitely don't. I've tried it a few times and it's, very very difficult i think it's worth people trying just to see how difficult it is um really hard <laughs> the idea behind what you're saying 
I really like because I think the skill of being able to fix it when it goes wrong is so important. Because how often yes. does it go exactly to plan? Zero. <laughs> true. It's true, right? It never, like, the dog won't always land exactly where you expect. The dog won't collect yeah. to the point you expect. And, yeah, for sure. You slip. There's a loud noise. I mean, you know, there's, there's you can't control for all the variables. So mm. rather than let that be something that hangs you up, you learn to incorporate that until it isn't so uncomfortable being uncomfortable. It's like um, there's a really great diagram, and I forget now, of course, the person that first invented it. But you have three layers of learning um, in this visual depiction. And in the center is your comfort zone. The middle layer is where you're uncomfortable. And then the outer layer is where you've become overwhelmed and you can't function. The more you can be in that middle layer yeah. of where you're uncomfortable, the bigger your comfort zone gets. The longer you stay only in your comfort zone, your comfort zone actually shrinks and you are comfortable with less and less. So if you're trying to push and learn and grow, it's better to be sort of uncomfortable most of the time. <laughs> yeah, well, like I say, progress is never found in the comfort zone, is it? You have to push yourself outside and that's where you learn and that's when you grow. Yeah, and you can go too far. Yeah. If you get to overwhelm and you know you're a deer in the headlights, well, that's too much. Yeah. So it's finding that balance, that that sweet spot. And I think that comes from experience of doing it in the first place anyway, isn't that? Yes. Yeah. So obviously that was a really useful, uh, should we say, concept that you've picked up. Um, and I know that you've, uh, again, we've talked about people who you've been fortunate enough to have as mentors. What do you feel is the most valuable piece of advice you've received from one of them? Uh, and how has it influenced your approach to the sport, aside from what we've just mentioned? Is there anything else that comes to mind? Um, let's see. Uh, this one is from me. I mean, that just sounds braggy. I don't mean it to oh, be braggy. No, no, no. It's something that it comes from the dogs. This is what the dogs have taught me that I have found, you know, one piece of training of advice that my dogs have taught me. Every session you do, always stop before you want to. Yeah, I love that. Always stop with both of you wanting to. Yeah, I've been guilty that, that's of really doing that. I'll be honest with you. It's that thing, oh, just one more rep. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Me too. And that's how I came to learn. That was my tail. Like if I played poker with myself, my tail is whenever I would say, okay, let's do one more. That was my subconscious trying to rationalize doing this rep that I knew I shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah, that should, that's a good sign actually, because I literally will say that to myself as well. I'll be honest, just yes. do one more. It's like, well, when you hear yourself saying that, end of no. session. Leave it. Yeah. And you both will come back more fresh yeah i love it I, it's a very good bit of advice and i'm on board with you um so this kind of changed topics a little bit um and the question yeah. that i ask i ask this to everyone but i think first of all it's worth acknowledging that it is a different answer for everyone and i'm aware of that but i am want you to answer for yourself so what do you see as success for you in dog agility and up to this point what has been your biggest success um so what i deem as success is i think of agility more from a training aspect than a handling aspect for me my biggest success so far because you know there's still mountains to climb yeah for sure um, my biggest success so far is i have 
um, been able to accomplish national championships across different heights. Yeah. So I'm not just a one trick pony. Yeah. That for me has been a big success to do it, you know, in eights, in 16s, in 20, in 26 um, inches. That for me has been a big height is I'm not just a one particular type of handler. Yeah. Um, so I like that from the training aspect. Uh, what was the second part of the question? I don't have a good memory. Yeah, <laughs> what do you see up to this point? But then let's move on from that then. And with those successes that you've found, because every dog has been different, like you said, what do yes. you think has been the biggest factor? Do you think it's down to the dog? Do you think it's the trainer? Do you think it's the handler? Or do you think it's all those things? I think it's all those things. But the if I had to, you know, you know you're on a desert island, you can only pick one reason to take with you. I think it is staying open. Don't get locked into, you know, this feels really good. It goes back to that diagram. Yeah. This feels really good what we're doing. and We're winning a lot and check us out. Man, it's going to change tomorrow. Stay open. Stay curious. Keep checking things out. You may say, oh, well, that's popular, but I hate it. Okay, fine. But at least know what's out there. Yeah, Staying sure. open is really key to staying successful over the long haul. And I think as well, the amount that agility is changing um if you think oh, yeah. that you know everything at this point then you only need to look back seven years and look how much it's changed and if yeah. you were still training still handling the way you did seven oh, years ago you would not be progressing oh. would you yeah no and that's what keeps it interesting that's what keeps it fun and i think that's what keeps us all getting better and more rounded and learning more i mean that's why i'm still doing it for this oh my god so long a lifetime yeah. if it had stayed the same i would have been bored a long time ago yeah i agree is it in in agility then um you don't need to necessarily name people in america because i, I don't want it to be yeah. something that you're feeling like you know you might be missing someone out on accident but is there anyone who is in agility who you admire and it might be for dog training it might be for handling it might be any specific thing but is there anyone you admire and tell me why yeah, uh, for dog training, um, Svetlana Tumanova. Yeah, she's a hell of a dog. Um, so I admire her a lot. I've had the good fortune to work with her some, and she's got a great sense of humor too, which is really important to me because I like to laugh a lot. Um, she's a fabulous dog trainer, so I admire the heck out of her. Um, Stewart, who I already mentioned, those are my top two, and they both are brilliant competitors but they're both exceedingly good dog trainers and they're really good at reading the creature in front of them i think that's the key to a really successful dog trainer as well isn't it the understanding mm -hmm. of what they're watching in front of them yes yes and that for me is the big deal you know i love seeing people that are super athletes and are beautiful handlers that's always nice to see but if you ask me who i'm going to spend my money on for lessons it's going to be the person that is more skewed towards dog training yeah and, that's what interests me yeah of course not a value judgment this is what i find fascinating yeah and that's what you enjoy as well isn't it it's absolutely mm -hmm. valid point i mean you're allowed to pick yes. whoever it is who you want to pick do you know what i mean yeah. um so have we kind of touched on the fact that like, you know, seven years ago we were looking at agility and then now we're looking at it now and it's changing rapidly. I mean, over here in the UK, things are changing for sure. And I know yeah. that after speaking to a few people in the US, a lot of things are changing. Um, yes. Where do you see the future of agility going and what would you like it to look like? 
Um, I think it's going to get a little more technical. It's all, it's a pendulum, you know, as far as challenges, you know, we'll get judges present us, you know, X challenge. We all get good at X. Then they go, Hmm, what's the opposite of X? Ooh, why? So I think we've had a whole lot of open field, what I call open field type running, a lot of running and extension. Yeah. I see lots more transitions. Can dogs transition from handler to obstacle focus easily and fluidly? Um, sort of the other end of the pendulum because we've all gotten real pretty good at open field running. So that's what I see coming down the pike. Um, is, and that's what I'm teaching my dogs is how to transition handler to obstacle focus at a distance. Um, as far as what I'd like to say, I'd like to say uh, whatever I'm really good at. Yeah, that's definitely the correct answer as well. Um, so do you want to kind of embellish on what you were saying then with regards to transitioning from handler to obstacle focus? Can you explain what that is? Because some people might not totally understand. Sure. Um, now, of course, the disclaimer, this is my opinion, and yeah, that's yeah. the only one I got. Um, I have my dogs in one of three modes of focus whenever we're in the ring. They're either actively searching for obstacles, yeah. they are 100% searching for me, or they are um, somewhere in between where they're looking at an obstacle and paying attention to me because the direction is changing. Yeah. So they're in... If you were a camera, you know, a wide angle, a medium angle, or a super close up, as far as modes of focus, a transition means the ability to change between these modes of focus. So say you've got three jumps straight in a line, and then there's a threadle at the end of the third one, and you're a quarter mile back. Um, can my dog transition from, I got the target, we're going straight, we're going straight, oh, wait a minute, we're doing something tricky. Can my dog do that instantly and seamlessly without one, either me having to nag at them to get them off of the straight line or the opposite of that, I can't get them off of looking at me to go find the straight line. Yeah. So that ability to transition between targets, i.e. obstacles or mom or a target uh, obstacle that involves a change of direction, teams that can do that just instantly are always going to be better, everything else being equal as far as train skills, always going to be better than teams where you have an imbalance in that steering. I'll be quite honest. All my dogs are imbalanced. They're all set to find obstacles. Yeah. Um, my steering is a little bit this way. That's the default. I pick it on purpose. Yeah. You know, I'd rather have the off course than the refusal. That's just me. Um, but if I had a perfectly balanced system, I'd have all things perfect. But I start with the default of my dogs actively seek obstacles more than the mama, which is where technical will be harder for me as far as transitions to getting them, you know, off of that straight line. Yeah. And I think, like you said, the skill as a trainer is understanding if your dog has too much drive or too much control. And if you want to call it mm. forward focus and handler focus, uh, and then adjusting right. the training to fit the dog, right? Yeah. And if you have one that, oh, I don't know, Ernie, I'm looking at you, that loves the mama so much, it's hard to give mama up. You, you know, balance your reinforcement a different way. You reinforce and reward more um, straight lines. 
than if you have, oh, I don't know, another dog, Tasty Cake, will run a quarter mile before she realizes I'm not there. Maybe she gets more cookies for her tight turns, or tight-ish turns, yeah. and um, things that involve me as part of the team. Yeah, that's a very good point, and I, I really like that one. I haven't heard that one before, so that's really good. Um, with yourself in agility, um, and we'll talk about the US rules because like I'm speaking to a few different people. So rather than looking at an overriding rule, if you look at the federations that you run under in US, is there any one rule that you would change? Um, I, I don't do this one federation, to use your words, much at present. Uh, but a rule I would like to see changed within it because a lot of people do is um, not letting bitches in season compete. Yeah. I think that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. So I don't happen to run under those auspices now, yeah. but I would like, I don't even know if that's the right word. I don't know. Um, but I would like to see that change for others. Yeah. As far as the things that I run under, what rules would I like to see changed? Hmm. I don't know. I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, it's all just a game and however anybody wants to set up the game is usually pretty okay with me, but I don't like exclusionary things. So yeah, that makes I'm sense. not a big fan of exclusionary. Okay. So another good question that I like hearing people's answers from, because it often highlights new dogs for me that maybe I didn't know. Uh, I'm going to allow you to steal a job. Uh, sorry. I'm going to allow you to steal a dog from each height category. Um, and they don't have to Ooh. be from the US, they can be from abroad if there's any that you particularly like. But is there any dogs that really stand out who you really love, whether it's attitude, whether it's just passion, whatever the case may be? What dogs would you take? Right. Right. Oh, good question. Mm. In the 20 inch division, it would be my Jamie's big sister, Fusion, owned by Juliana Molden. Okay. Fabulous, brilliant, and um in 16 and she's from the u.s um from the 16 inch division there is a small border collie also from u.s it belongs to ashley anderson who's named very who i adore who is just starting her career okay uh 12 inch well i mean who doesn't want angie sunday yeah um also related to my tea cake yeah. um sunday is just, so who wouldn't want that and eight inches. Oh, I just don't know as many. Tasty's pretty nice, but I would like the tasty twin who can turn better. <laughs> so if someone could like install that part, I would pay big money. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I, um, I love Tasty I, as well. Oh my God. She's just, well, she's just so much personality and such a tiny, loud package. She's exciting. <laughs> it may be crap course but it's fun to watch yeah yeah for sure she's exciting this is the right word i think yeah who are your favorite yeah. judges then unless when we're talking about judges let's talk about course design um i mean that's probably yeah. what most people think of anyway rather than actual you know their judging yeah. capabilities what whose courses do you yeah. like running the most oh um i like tomas a lot carlo fazio's courses are always fun good blowouts um alex i'm sure i'll slaughter his last name from germany alex beetle Beidle. yeah yeah i like his courses and i had the good fortune to actually take a seminar with him and i like the way he thinks he's a trainer so i enjoyed him quite a bit 
Um, Bill Pender from the U.S. I love his courses. Uh, those are some examples of yeah, courses that I personally enjoy. Peter Pupik, I like his courses a lot too. Yeah, there's some good course designers out there at the moment. And it's just interesting because yeah. I think when you hear people's answers to that it kind of tells you the types of courses they like running and everyone is different so it's good to hear who you enjoy running and more than that sometimes again it brings forward some judges who perhaps we won't have heard of so that was really good with regards to agility then um have you got any future goals what are your aims maybe let's look let's look more short term with regards to maybe the next year and then maybe a little bit further ahead if there's something that you think might take a little longer well i'll be completely honest with you um it's tricky i have made lots of teams and have had good fortune and fabulous dogs so i've made lots of teams for the u.s and that's usually an ongoing goal is to make the next team of course but international travel right now to Europe from the US with dogs, regardless of size, whether it's in cabin or cargo, has become so challenging. Yeah. Um, but I don't know about that one. I'm still thinking about that one. Um, on a national level, my goal, I can't believe I'm saying this one out loud. I'll probably jinx it. I would love to win a national championship at 12 inches. I've won at every other height and I haven't won at 12 yet. <laughs> so I would like to do that. I think that's a good um, goal. Good goal. Yeah, sharp. You know, having a goal keeps you something to play for. So I like it. If I don't do it, I'm still happy as I can be. Yeah. But it makes me sharp to have a goal. Yeah, it's something um, to work towards as well, isn't it? It's like I said, it's not a failure if you don't get there, but it's just something to work towards that keeps you going, right? Yeah, and it helps direct your thinking and it helps give you a framework for your training, um, which are all good things because you could train a million things i could train you know i can stand in the middle of the ring and have you do everything but is that going to win x or will that method be the best for y you know it gives me a protocol it gives me an outline and then i can start to solve the puzzle i think of all this as puzzles yeah, yeah. so i need to know what are the boundaries of the puzzle then i can start working the pieces yeah we're moving yes. to some real life questions what do you think people misunderstand about you the most I think people think I'm a whole lot more extroverted than I am. Okay. I enjoy people and I love teaching, but I'm a pretty introverted person. Yeah. So it can be yeah. one of those things where um, in a situation, because I feel like I'm quite similar to this. Like, obviously, I, I know you, we've spoken before, so I don't feel it's like um, a new conversation or whatever. Um, but often mm -hmm. because of my job, I... Uh, I'm fortunate enough to work with lots and lots of people um, and because I'm talking to them through the camera or through the sessions or that they feel like they know me which is great it's mm -hmm. exactly what I want yeah um, but then in a show I think they expect me to go up to speak to them but because I don't mm -hmm. know them it's not that I'm being rude I'd be happy to speak to them right. but I need them to come and speak to me first to show that they feel comfortable with it do you know what I mean Oh, yes. And then go somewhere where you're meeting them out of context. Like yeah. I'm out on the West Coast right now and I see people that maybe I taught on the East Coast. And it's like, uh, I don't recognize them out of context. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, uh, yeah, so it's, I've thought of that as well. And I, I, that's one for me, I'd say as well. I'm, I'm not an extroverted person at all. Mm. Uh, my wife often laughs at me about how introverted I am. But yeah. Uh, I think that's a, that applies to me as well, that one. 
Um, what are the things you're most proud of then, Dudley? Um, that I have found a way to continue to enjoy this agility that is a passion and be able to make a living from it and not let the making a living part, you know, steal some of the joy or make it stale. I'm proud of that. I like that answer. That's a really good answer. Um, it's hard. I was just going to say, I think I know for myself personally that, um, if I taught, I, I don't know that I would still find the love in training my own dogs. And for me, that's where my enjoyment is, is training my own dogs and competing, which yeah. is why I don't teach because I do worry that that yes. would affect me. And I always say to all my friends who do teach full time, you know, fair play to you. I don't know how you do it. Well, you do it. You just do it a different way. You're just teaching the two-legged half of the team. I mean, you're still doing it in a sense. Uh, the subject matter is a little bit different, but it's still re very much related. Um, but it is finding that way to keep the the love of it, the joy of it, yeah. while also earning a living so you can, you know, pay the entry fees. Yeah, Being sure. able to strike that balance, I think, in anything that you do is a pretty pretty good accomplishment and one that you should be proud of because it can be hard to sometimes keep both of those things in check. Yeah, for sure. What then, on the opposite end of the spectrum, what do you feel like has been your biggest failure? But then what did you learn from it? Um, with regard to training, the biggest failure was going back to the trust your instinct thing. There's been a couple of times where trying to be open-minded. I don't know everything. Yeah. I tried some things that I really didn't feel were right. And it wasn't tragic. I mean, you know, no one died. Yeah. No one got like, you know, injured beyond repair. But it did a couple of things that damaged relationship that I had with my dogs. And looking back on that now, I was like, you know, damn it. I knew better. Not proud of those. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I know what you're saying, but I think it's one of those things that now you'd never let it happen again, would you? So you definitely learn from yeah. it. Yeah, so the, making the best of maybe not a best situation, it's like, what can I learn from that? And that's what I learned. You know, if you really feel strongly about it, you got to go with that. What makes you mad or annoys you the most then? Oh, my goodness. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, this one makes me laugh now because I refuse to get mad about it. It's freaking dog agility. You know, this is my biggest problem in life. I'm killing it. <laughs> um, but what makes me laugh is when I go to teach and I say to someone, you know, try X, Y, Z. And they say, no, my dog's not going to do that. No, I'm going to be like, well, you, you, you don't want to just maybe try <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just mail me a check and I'll stay home and, you know, we'll be just right where we are right now. Yeah, yeah. So I never understand. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I guess maybe because I come from the, the standpoint of where I want to try things because I think it's interesting. And um, what makes me angry and what I don't like that doesn't make me laugh are people that get so caught up in human goals make a team, win a championship, whatever, that they neglect what the canine partner may be telling them. Yeah. That I find extremely unfortunate and unattractive because the canine partner doesn't really get a good vote. Yeah. So it's super important. We pay attention and listen to what they're telling us. 
and not just, well, yeah, they're a little stiff, but you know, it's a qualifier weekend. So just, let's just suck it up and go. Oh, nay, nay. Yeah. Nay, nay. That makes me mad. I think because the dogs can't talk, you've got to kind of bring a bit of integrity yes. into it and do what's right, not what you want. Yes, 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 yes. I agree with that 100%. Unfortunately, just because I think that doesn't mean it happens, but that's my honest answer to your question. Yeah, good answer. Um, well, myself, I missed out on the European Opens because my dog had kennel cough, so I feel like I'm, I know. I'm in a good position to say that I, I agree with you. Well. Yeah. Um, you get it. If you did have one chance to do something different, um, and it might be mm -hmm. with regards to a dog, but it might, you know, it might not be. If you get one do-over, you change one thing that happened in your life or one thing that happened to you, um, what are you using the token on? Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind thinking about that, I would have started eating more protein sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Suggested instead of all this stupid calorie restriction, trying to get quote unquote strong and fit, which doesn't get you there. Correct. Because being strong and fit, as much as we all want to be slim and what, or we, as much as I want to be slim and whatever, what I really want to be is able to move. That's job one. So I would have wished I had found a way to get to that that didn't have all this um, mental baggage of of the being skinny is where it's at yeah i would have changed that sooner and stronger sooner well it's, i think it's really good that you've got there now though some people are still trying so shots. yeah Free. yeah for sure i mean that like you said like you know you didn't think it was that big a deal but i like that it really is i mean i know like yeah i i appreciate that because i know how big a deal it is and it's, it is a big deal so i like i said to you at the time crushing it absolutely crushing it <laughs> Well, thanks to your protein suggestion, which I thought was bogus, and yeah, well, okay, I'll just try it, but he doesn't know what he's talking about, but okay. Yeah, well, it's... Sometimes being open-minded. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. That comes to show it, doesn't it? It's one of those things that you had as a long-held belief, and I kind of said, look, you know, yeah. I mean, I feel like I this is my area of expertise. Give it a go. And you did, and in all fairness, you stuck fun. with it as well. In those moments where it didn't perhaps go exactly as we wanted yeah. you still stuck with it because you trusted no, yeah, me yeah, and you didn't give up and uh, you stayed consistent crazy. and then we got what we needed right yeah that's pretty cool so thank you well thank you for sticking with it so i got a crystal ball now and you can find one thing about your future but only one thing you get one oh. one look one look in my crystal ball so what where, where do you think you'd go to in your future what part what do you want to find out oh what do I want to find out about my future? Mm. Would you want to? That is, you know, that's such an interesting question because I make it my lifelong goal to be in the present moment. Yeah. Um, you're flipping me on my head here about thinking about the future. What would I want to know? Oh, holy moly. And I also say that, like, you know, I don't maybe anything bad. yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, sometimes I think that the answer that there isn't anything you'd want to know is a valid answer because does it take away from the joy of when it actually happens and you're not expecting it? Yeah, I think I would just soon not know or make it something really mundane like, you know, am I going to have this camper another three years or something? <laughs> yeah. um, I think it would be something like that because, you know, if it's bad, well, then I've just ruined everything up to that because now I'll be dreading it. 
you know, and if it's great, then I'm going to be so anticipating that and I'm not going to be fully present. Yeah. So I think we just like put a towel over the ball. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. So we're going to enter our quick fire round now. Uh, just before we finish, the questions won't require too much thought. What did you have for breakfast? What's it say? <laughs> what I had for breakfast? Yeah. I had um, oats and protein powder and almond milk. Cool. Um, when did you last sing and what song was it? Uh, yesterday while driving, Janis Joplin, Freedom's Just Another Word for Nothing Left to Lose. Yeah, not, I like that song. Do you play any instruments? Uh, I used to play the piano. Okay, cool. Did you play? You well, can't take that camping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit too big, isn't it? Too much. Did you go graded or did you just kind of learn for fun? No, I um, had lessons, did recitals, blah, blah, blah. Cool, okay. Um, do you believe in ghosts? I believe in energy. Okay, good answer. Any tattoos? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Any more on the horizon or are you finished? Oh, I just got one last May and I thought, oh, I should quit. But then, you know, if the mood strikes, we'll be getting some more ink. You just never know. Yeah, I like that. Uh, what superpower would you have? <sighs> I think it would be the coolest thing in the world to be able to fly like a bird for a day. Yeah, I <laughs> I'm in between that one and uh, be in charge of time and space. I think they're both good ones. That would be nice as well. Yes. <laughs> okay. Before we go, then I, I keep my favorite question till last, and I've asked you what superpower okay. you'd like to have. Well, in this scenario, I've got a superpower, and my superpower is I can give you uh, the ability to have a conversation with each of your dogs for ten seconds, and they would understand every single thing that you said to them. So, what would you tell them? I love you. Yeah. And tasty. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's enough. If they knew that, they wouldn't panic and everything would be okay, right? That pretty much covers it all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that. Okay, so that, that is it from us. Is there anything that you would okay. like to advertise or you would like to plug or anything like that? Yeah, I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> Come take a lesson with me. I agree. <laughs> no, um, oh, yeah, whatever. Uh, all I would add from mine is that I enjoyed it. I had no idea coming on to hear anybody who's still watching at this point. Chris just asked me if I wanted to chat. So I'm like, yeah, I'll chat about anything. So this was very much off the cuff and I enjoyed it. And I hope that everybody enjoys their training with their dogs because life is short. That's what it's about. It was so good to get a chance to speak to you and find out more about you, Dudley. So thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. Yeah. And to everyone who's listening. Thank you for having me. Yeah. To everyone who's listening, we'll speak to you soon. And that is the end of the podcast. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen. I really hope you enjoyed. If you think you might know someone else who would enjoy, feel free to pass on all the information and share the podcast with them. And get involved on any of the social media platforms. It really helps the podcast grow and I really appreciate it. See you in the next one.